put your hands together and welcome our lead pastor, Tom Ricosi, as he comes to preach. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to see you all. Wow. I love being in church. It's like a family reunion coming together. We are family. <laughs> Thank you. And it's such a joy to be here. Have you ever had to tell someone that you love something that, well, uh, it could upset them, but you knew you had to tell them that? That's exactly how I feel this morning. I have something to tell you that uh, could be a little bit upsetting with you, so uh, ushers and back, lock the doors, no one leaves, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a... When I was putting this message together, I get to the point at the conclusion of it, I send my all my notes to Pastor James, and he does the sermon notes outline on the on the uh, website, and I send it to Christian, and he does all the PowerPoint stuff that is behind me that you see. So I was getting ready to send it to them, and the Lord says, not yet. Uh, it's not ready for consumption. Okay. So I went back to work here. So I got to the place ready to send it again, and the Lord says, not yet. It's not ready for consumption. Four times that happened. I was at the place in the midst of that four times is, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to find something else. That is, that's going to be, because uh, uh, I love to preach sermons that, wow, charge, uplifting, encouraging. Uh, uh, I thought about coming out here wrapped up in caution tape, you know. <laughs> and, but, and some of you are saying, no, I would like to see that. <laughs> but, you know, we live in a culture that has so much to offer us, yet all we hear is how bad everything is around us. Now, and, and that culture is, is people complaining about everything. Now, I understand that this past year and a half, we have some things to complain about. With, with the pandemic, I have lost some very dear friends that have broke our hearts and they died because of COVID-19. So it's, it's, it's stuff like that goes on and go, man, I hate this thing. Then, then we have the economics. Then we have, you know, the political chaos. Then we had the racial issues. And, and the list goes on. And, and I know, I know those things need to be confronted. But when you hear nothing but negative all around you, it begins to impact your life. It, it's, it's like a guy who says, says, well, my anger, my anger is, is only at work. I only get angry at work. <laughs> yeah, tell their kids that, you know, because it does not just stay in, in one little arena. This, this whole culture of negativism, how do we see God through all this? And, and how, how has it been impacting our lives? Well, I'm going to pray. And 
I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to embrace what I'm about to share with you. Because in all reality, one of two things are the outcome of this today. The blessings of God or the judgment of God. It's that serious. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of your resurrected son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate that, that resurrection because it has given us life and the fullness of that life. And, and, I, and I come in the power of the Holy Spirit and Spirit of God. You have been sent to be our comforter. You've been sent to be our advocate. Come alongside of us right now and bring that revelation knowledge to a subject that we as the body of Christ, it's not that we should, but we must hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Numbers 11th chapter. Now, the Israelites, they've been traveling for just a little bit into the wilderness now for about a year and a half. We can understand that because we have felt like we've been in this wilderness journey for the past year and a half as well. And, and they're coming to this place where, where there is some um, understanding and lessons to be taught. And this ancient book is several thousand years old that it could be teaching us something. And I want you to know the book of Numbers is as much as you might think, oh, I don't know if I even want to read it then like it. It can become one of your favorite books. Because there's two things I want you to see about Numbers 11th chapter. First of all, is that he wants to teach us that the Israelites, that they must trust God and not man in time of crisis. That speaks to us today, isn't it? The second thing is that God is trying to tell the people that he wants to supply every need that they have. Because when we look at the book of Numbers, we see several things in which God has been doing. God gave them a leader, Moses. He gave, he gave them manna. He, gave them, he also gave them meat besides that manna one time. He also... And we also know that he gave them the promised land. An amazing thing that he even gave them water in that desert. Everything that they needed, God was able to supply. So, so what Numbers is teaching us is that we must learn to trust God in our desert journeys, in our crisis time, in our walk in Christ. And here's what I really want you to understand is that potentially Israel had everything. Did you hear what I said? Israel had everything that they needed to fulfill God's plan for their life at that very moment. But realistically, Israel did not receive everything they needed to fulfill God's plan at that very moment. Two words, potentially and realistically. Potentially, they had everything. Realistically, they didn't receive everything. So you're asking, why is that, Pastor? 
Well, here's what I want you to see. It's going to come up on the board behind me in that it's we're so desperately we need to understand this. The reason they never received all that God had for them is because they possessed an attitude of ingratitude. There, there are three observations I want you to see in chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Let, let me read this to you out of the New King James Version. It says this. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. <laughs> they complained, and God got angry. Now you're wondering, what did I complain about this week? What did I, uh, you know, what did I complain about? So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of them in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, they're the ones who were complaining to him first, cried out to Moses when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah because of the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Here we see, as right off the bat, we get into chapter 11 of Numbers, the very first thing they start to do is to complain. Ever been around someone like that? Hi, how are you? Then all this vomit. Did I, did I say that? Begins this, you know, you're thinking, yeah, I, I've, been, I've been there. And, and here's the amazing thing, that they just finished leaving Mount Sinai. Now, I want you to see in this first observation here, there is a tendency to sin is, uh, is greater at some times than at others. See, they, they just left Mount Sinai. They were only three days away. They never complained when they were on Mount Sinai. They never grumbled. They walked around that mountain twice, and there was no word of them complaining at all because, you see, Mount Sinai represents two things. One, it represents the presence of God, and two, it represents the direction of God. They were coming up on the anniversary of the first anniversary of the Passover, and they started to complain. Now, I could understand that they were in transition. I could understand that they left the coldness of that mountain. Now they're in the heat of the desert. I could understand that they were leaving a place where they felt that intimacy, that closeness, that very presence of God. I could understand all these things. But I want you to understand that there are times that we are more vulnerable to sin than uh, others. These times are usually when we get away from the very presence of God. They were three days away from Mount Sinai. Now this I do know. Right here in this sanctuary, and you who are watching online, right now, it's probably the least moment of all your whole week that you're going about to sin. Because we have been in the presence of the Lord in our worship. There has, we're among God's people. 
were reading the word and we could sense his presence. So most likely, we're not going to fall into a deep sin at this moment because we're here together. But there are times when we get away from here, away from that presence of God, away from the awareness of God in our lives. And it doesn't really take long, folks. Then all of a sudden, that temptation to complain begins to erupt. Second observation is God's discipline is related to our development. Now, in other words, let me explain this, is that this was not the very first time that the Israelites complained. They, they were complaining before the Mount Sinai experience. And we see this in Exodus, the 15th chapter. And it reads this, verse, 20, uh, verse 24. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? You see, they were thirsty, and the waters that they were drinking were bitter. Now, I, I could take some time, and I don't want to because I don't have that time here this morning. But there was a reason why that water was bitter. But they didn't like the taste of it. In verse 25, so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, here's what I want you to notice in verse 26. There he made a statute or an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. You, you see, what he's saying, he heard them complain for the first time here in the journey. And he goes, I understand that this is going to be a long journey. And, but I want you to know that I will take care of you, so I don't want you complaining. Now, pay attention. Because I don't want you to be the people that act as if they don't have a God. Can I repeat that? I don't want you complaining in this journey because I don't want you to act as though you were people who don't have a God. So he was um, pretty upset about what was going on with their lives. See, the third observation in this 11th chapter, verses 1 through 3, is a godly leader saved the people from their destruction. It was Moses. He came before them. Well, I'm not a Moses. I may look old as him, you know, but I'm not a Moses. But I am your pastor. And as your pastor, there are things that I could see that is happening in the world that can seep into a church and into the life of believers that I have to say, stop, we got to see what is happening here. And when we live in a negative world that is around us, we can so easily get caught up in all that negativity. We could get caught up in, in complaining about this, that, and that. And I'm telling you is that they're probably legit issues. But what happens, family of God, hear me well, is that when we get caught up in that, 
when that stuff rubs off on us, the things of this world rubs off on us, the negative activity of this world rubs off on us, we begin to miss to see what God is doing. And we begin to act as though we are a people who don't have a God in their lives. This is why he got so upset. This is why I bring this before you today. And it's not, don't, don't worry, what have I said? Oh, wow. That's, that was fun. Don't start thinking, oh, no, 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 no. What have I said to the pastor? What has someone, what has someone else said to the pastor? I'm just telling you that I understand human behavior. And I understand what happens when we live in a negative world around us. And I understand that how it impacts everything. I mean, for Pete's sake. Okay? We, we live in a world that I so miss seeing your beautiful faces. But the world around us has impacted everything around us. And complaining can do that as well. So as I was observing this, this message and writing it and rewriting it and redoing it again and praying over it and redoing it again and wanting to throw it away, and the Lord just wouldn't let me. There is just six. <laughs> oh, wow, I'm going to be here all day. Quick observations that I want you to see that I see out of this chapter. First of all, these people, they possessed an attitude that was unaffected by God's discipline. Good night. God just had a fireball on the outskirts of the camp consuming people. You think anybody would get, you know, focus on God? Uh, I, I don't think he's happy with me you know, at that moment. It, it, it's like going into the principal's office, you know. He's not going in and saying, hey, you're a good kid, you know. Uh, years ago, and my niece in Oklahoma City, she may even be watching this online, is that when she was living here in, in Arizona with us, I asked her, she says, hey, Kim, uh, come in my office. I want to talk to you. She was scared to death. I'm her uncle, for Pete's sake. But she's going into the pastor's office. She was worried. But here, here they, they were unaffected by the judgment of God. You would think that they would quit gossiping, quit complaining, quit backbiting. You see in verse 3, so the name of the place was called Tabitha because of the fire of the Lord burned among them. That judgment fell upon them because of their complaining, because they were acting like a people who did not have a God. Now let me say something here. And that is that when we're caught up in a culture of ingratitude, we are not only unaffected by God's discipline, we miss out on God's blessings. 
God's provisions, God's presence. Because I'm not seeing him in any of that. In their wilderness journey, he was everywhere around them. Number two, they possessed an attitude of inappreciative of God's benefits. Can, could they not see what God has done with them? How could they have forgotten the Passover, the exodus out of Egypt? How could they have forgotten that? How could they have forgotten the dividing of the Red Sea? How could they have forgotten the manna that they were having every single day? The truth is that Israel had never really been delivered. Yes, they were in a different location. Yes, they were no longer in slavery, but they had not been delivered spiritually. There was not that relationship that they really needed to have with God in this journey. So they got away from that incredible experience of being delivered out of Egypt. Can you imagine? Not only did two and a half million people were allowed to leave, but they were able to take animals, provisions, and even money, and some of the Egyptians with them. And they let him go. The Red Sea, they, they walked across this dry ground. How could they have forgotten that they did? Because, you see, they still had part of Egypt in them. Listen, church. I know that we have some major issues in our world that is impacting our lives. And they really do need to be fixed. But I also know is that when I just focus on that stuff, and those issues may not be that just those big things that we've talked about a moment ago. They could be personal issues that is going on in our lives. But if that's all we focus on, we're going to miss out on seeing God in the midst of all that stuff. Huh? We as a pastoral staff, we've been talking a lot about what God is doing. And we are on fire in the midst of this chaos because we have seen God moving in people's lives, in our own lives, in the life of this existence of this church in ways that we never dreamt was possible. Do I want to go through all that again? Absolutely not. Will I, would I ever want to miss it? Absolutely not. Because we see God in the midst of it. And when the only thing that I, happens when I get caught up in complaining about everything that is around me, I miss out in seeing God work in our lives. God is at work. Number three. They possess an attitude that soon forgot the past problems. How could they have forgotten slavery? How could they have forgotten the injustice um, that they experienced in Egypt? How could they have forgotten how they cried out for God to deliver them? I love being around new believers. Just 
just love that. We have some new believers in the church here that they are just crazy on fire for God. I mean, they have just, they're consumed in it. And I love it because they, they are so close to where they used to be that they remembered what they have been delivered of. And they are lit up. They're not talking about the sin. They're talking about the deliverance of God's favor. They're talking about God's presence, God's love, God's joy, God's strength. That's all they could talk about. But what happens sometimes is that we say, well, yeah, well, give them time. Another three years, they'll be moaning, groaning, just like the rest of us. There was a few laughs. You know what that kind of laugh is called? It's called gallow laughing. A gallow laughing is that in counseling, when a person laughs at something that is said or what they said, is that they laugh because if they don't laugh, they'd rather cry. It's called a gallow laugh. And, and the truth is, is that we see this chaos that is around us and that we think, oh, they'll just be just like us. And, and maybe so, because what has happened is that they forgot what God has brought them from. That's why we're going to be celebrating the communion to remind us of what God has delivered us out of because of his resurrecting power. That past sin, that past life has absolutely no authority within our lives. It's almost like I, I, uh, the story about the prodigal son. This prodigal son is that this young guy gets his inheritance, he goes and he just spends it all frivolously. Realize that he, his lifestyle was the exact opposite that his father would ever wanted for him. And he came to his senses sharing food with pigs in a pig pen. Now, when he came back home, he didn't get a home. He wanted to be a servant. He didn't get the, 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 the whole farm. He didn't get the finances or the dad's bank account. Only thing he received is God's acceptance, well, his, his father's acceptance and his father's love and celebration. Oh, there were two sons there. One of them, who has always been there, well, he was not as happy as, as the younger son. The younger son had nothing, and that joy was there. The older son had the house, was receiving the farm, he was receiving the bank account. He had everything, but he did not remember. This boy remembered everything that God has delivered him from. But complaining causes us to forget that. Number four, they possess a spirit of, or an attitude that was insensitive to their calling. You see, the, the Israelites, they, they were called to be a holy people. Their calling was that they were to be God's people. Their calling was that they were to travel 
on the high road. Their calling, listen to this, their calling was to make other nations see God in and through them. Did they do that? Absolutely not. That's what was so upsetting with God because they were acting as though they were a people without a God. They were ignoring the presence of God. They were ignoring what God was able to do in their lives. In fact, let me give you a little um, uh, journal. You hate to say it because there was a journal in Numbers um, about the complaining of the Israelites. In chapter 11, verse 1, they complain about the misfortune. Chapter 11, verse 4, they complain about their lack of food or their lack of meat. In chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, they complain about being stuck in the wilderness and facing the giants of the land. In chapter 16, verse 3, they complain about Moses and Aaron and their authority, and their leadership, and they were greedy, and they wanted more power and authority. In chapter 16, verse 41, they complained that Moses and Aaron had caused the death of the Lord's people. In chapter 20, verse 3, they complained about the lack of water. In chapter 21, verse 5, they complained that God and Moses brought them into the wilderness. You see, Satan does not want you to know your potential. Satan does not want you to know what you've been called out of and called into. Satan doesn't want you to know that all things are possible through Christ in your life. He does not want you to realize that you have a higher road. He does not want you to know that you have a calling in which he is, God has given to you. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You see, when we are caught up in only seeing the negative around us, we are living in ignorance. Because God wants us to see him in the midst of that. And we're not getting the full story. But just as he who called you, he who called you. Now look at the person beside you or around you and say, he's talking to you. Or if no one's around you, tell yourself, he's talking to me. Is holy. So be holy in all that you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Be holy in all that you do. When you are acting as though you are a people without a God, that is unholy living. 
And what he puts in that category is that arena of complaining. Here's the truth about a complaining spirit. It's contagious. Listen to this. And the rebel who has, were among them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept and said, Who will give us meat to eat? He wanted meat. They didn't see the manna. They didn't see the provision. They didn't see the Red Sea opening up. They weren't remembering. They just wanted the chains of menu. They were not seeing God in their midst. Well, let me read that from the Living Bible. It says it this way. Then the Egyptians who had come with them began to long for the good things of Egypt. Thus, this added to the discontent of the people of Israel, and they all began to complain. You, you see what this, because remember I told you some of the Egyptians came with them? And, and, and out of them complaining, it got into the conversation, into the spirit of the Israelites. We live in a world that is complaining. It makes it feels like no one's looking for answers, especially they're not looking for God in anything. And so it gets into their spirit, and it rubs off on everybody or anybody who is in their presence, including you. And what happens is that we miss out and seeing what God wants to do within our midst because we cannot allow this world to infect or affect us. We have to be that light in the shining world. God wanted the Israelites to be the people in which when the nations see them, they will see God in their midst. If there is ever a season in which we are living in, it is this day in which this world all around us needs to see God in its midst. And the only way they're going to see it is in your life. Because I can guarantee you that they are not opening up this holy book and reading it. They're reading the newspaper. They're listening to the news reports. They're listening to their neighbors and people all around them. And what happens is that it gets to become contagious and it begins to seep into our spirit. And we have to have that warning. Be careful. I love what Pastor James was speaking to his team before the first service in the huddle which they had. Because he's talking about them as leaders to bathe themselves in the word of God. Allow that word of God. Be like in a good Italian garlic sauce. Oozes from their pores. I come home from work, and I know when Arlene has been cooking that spaghetti sauce because I could smell it before I even get in the house. 
It gets in the pores of the walls of the house. The world needs to see the things of God oozing out of us before they have an opportunity to vomit all their complaining all over us. We're able to share with them the love of God, what God is doing in our lives in the midst of it. Yes, I hate what's happening. I don't like what's going on. I hate to see how people treat each other with the disrespect, with the hatred that they have for one another. But I'm telling you something, is that the laws of the land is not going to change the behavior of the world. It is the work of the heart of God working in our lives that is going to change us. And through that, they see something different within our lives. But what happens, my friend, when we get caught up in complaining? It covers all that up. It impacts our lives. The truth about complaining spirit is it has a selective memory. Verse 5, we remember the fish which we used to eat. Free in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. You sure they weren't Italian? Maybe they were, you know, the Israelites. Did they remember the slavery? Did they remember the bondage they were in? Did they remember the pain, the injustice? Did they remember them crying out for God to deliver them? It was selective. Oh, it was my belly. I wanted a change of menu. It's it's amazing, family of God, how easy and how trivial the things that we complain about could begin to cause us to miss out in seeing what God is doing. And more so, here's here's what angered God, is that when they did that, they were living as though they were people without God. God has sent us to be that witness to the world. God has sent us to be that influence of a world that is around us. And I don't want us who we live in a negative society all around us to allow that to seep in to our lives where we begin to not see the hand of God. The truth about the complaining spirit is it is not satisfied with what is available. But now, verse 6, our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Verse 9. Yet, when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. They were having delivery service. 
they would flip open the tent, the, the door of the tent, there would be manna there waiting for them to pick up to eat in the desert. And they were missing that because they wanted a change of a diet. Satan will take the most trivial things in our lives, make a mountain out of a molehill so that we would not see God moving in our lives because he wants to redirect our attention. I could tell you something about the people who have a complaining spirit. You see, well, we would say, don't say, well, they complain because they have not. Not at all. They complain because they see not. I love to be around people who sees God in, in everything in their life, who celebrates God's favor, even in the worst of times, the most challenging times in their lives. They're praising God because they see God in the midst of it. The fourth truth about a complaining spirit, it wants to be heard by others. Now, this is staggering. In verse 10, it says, Now Moses heard. Moses heard. They didn't come to Moses. They weren't going to God. He could hear. Moses heard throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent. They didn't come and have that personal encounter with the leadership or with God seeking his wisdom and guidance. They just went to the tent door and screamed out all their complaints to whoever would listen. What they were actually doing is that they were sowing discord among the people of God. I'm going to tell you something. Now, this is serious stuff. That's what I told you in the beginning, why it was so difficult for me. Because at times, I don't want to come and just form you. But I got to tell you something. When we live in a negative world, when it wants to rob us from the blessings of God, I got to tell you something. And when we are complaining among all of us or the world around us and not allowing the world to see God moving in the midst of it, we are brewing discord. You know, that's one of the seven things that God hates. God, that's why he was so angry he sent the fireball. That's why the judgment was so strong upon them, because he knew what it would do to the body of Christ. And he says, I want this to stop, because I want you to see what's happening around you. Here's what I do know. That I know that we live in a world that is not going to change. 
There will always be sin. There will always be crisis. There will always be hatred. There will always be those issues that are not going to be resolved because we live in a broken world. What God wants to do within our lives is allow the world to see the difference in the body of Christ. And you have that calling upon your life. He's calling us to rise up, to be those people of God who's going to bring that unity. I don't like what has happened. You heard me say when when I mentioned that when I was in in the ambulance as it was driving me to the hospital, my first heart attack, I said, this stinks. I hated that. But here's here's what was amazing, is that in the notes that Arlene got from all this stuff, they said it put in parentheses, but he's smiling. So they didn't know to believe me or not. Because I knew that God was in the midst of it all. God wants to use you as his call to rise up, to show the world that we are a people who God is our Lord. That they see that there's a difference. We recognize the challenges. But we see God in the midst of the challenges. Would you stand?